What's up, y'all? It's Kavya. Welcome to the 10th episode of Women on the Mic. I'm so glad that I have a very special guest here today, Jasmine Thomas of the WNBA's Connecticut Sun. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Of course. Thanks for having me. So, I mean, obviously right now we are in a situation like none of us could have imagined, and it's definitely had a huge impact on athletes all over, including yourself. I mean, I know you've told me about your season Poland being canceled, and I mean, my club volleyball season has been postponed, and so many championships and seasons have been canceled across the country because of coronavirus. So, like, what kinds of things are you doing right now to pass time at home? Um, I am working out in my garage. Uh, I kind of changed half of it into a little fitness center, so I got some things down there to keep nice. me busy. Um, some adult, grown-up stuff. I've been working on my taxes, getting my data organized so that I can file on time. Um, I don't know. I'm just kind of connecting with everybody via social media, being in touch with my WNBA team and uh, my teammates, just about everyone's different situations. Yeah, definitely. Um I'd like to start by kind of talking about the journey to get where you are now. I, I mentioned this a lot in my podcast, but I think it's, you know, important to acknowledge the journey and the path and the work that, you know, these uh, athletes put in to get to be in the position that they're in. So talk to me, like, when did you start playing basketball and how did you how did you find it and fall in love with it? Um, I started playing basketball when I was nine. Uh, my brother was playing. He played football and he played basketball. He's five years older than me. So mm -hmm. as you can imagine, I wanted to be just like him, do yeah. what he was doing. Um, he didn't play uh, professionally, but he, he did play in high school. So I kind of was going to his games and I noticed that it was the first sport that I actually wanted to sit down and watch and pay attention. Mm -hmm. So uh, I started playing. My dad uh, put me on the local rec center team. And then, um, you know, I kind of took it from there. I became serious about it, wanted to work all the time. My dad would take me to the gym extra outside of school to just kind of work on my skills. And once I started playing AAU basketball, that's when I really uh, began to get challenged and, and get competitive and want to play on the best teams against the best players with the best players. Um, and I, my development kind of happened through there. By the time I got to high school, I was one of the best players in the state of Virginia uh, on many of the lists as one of the top players in the country uh, during those four years and had a lot of attention from major D1 colleges and knew that I would go on to play in college. And uh, it wasn't until my junior year at Duke that I realized while playing in the WNBA was a dream of mine, it actually could happen and, and that I was going to be in the WNBA draft. Yeah, so it's kind of like a step-by-step -step process, you know, You once you realize you were really good, and then at Duke, and then you realize, you know, I could be in the WNBA, and now you're playing for the sun. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Uh, do you have any, like, funny childhood stories about your time playing basketball? I mean, I can imagine with an older brother, there's probably a lot of competitiveness, like, that aspect of it. Do you have any funny stories you can recall? Um, you know, honestly, the way that me and my brother's relationship is, I don't know if it's the age gap, but he was more like a coach for me. Mm. So, and even now he's, his support for me is one amazing, but two, it's, uh, 
it's more, yeah, just like that, like a coach. Like, he watches my games. He breaks them down, the film of it, and, oh, wow. you know, what he thinks I can work on, what he thinks I can uh, do better, what can help me when my confidence is, you know, I'm kind of doubting myself a little bit. He makes sure to remind me of what I'm good at. And, you know, I feel like because I've had that relationship with him, it's kind of been a healthy balance between him, my dad, who was really tough on me, but also uh, was extremely necessary and important to my success. And then my mom was, like, the cheerleader. So, <laughs> I don't really have any, like, super funny stories in that sense, but um, a a lot of things that are, are, like, kind of funny for me when I look back on it now is a lot of the women that I play against now as pros, um, you know, we've been playing against each other since we were amateurs, since we were 10 years old, and and I just remember, like, playing against Elena Deladon uh, at AAU Nationals, and um, she was playing for FinCor. We were playing for the Fairfax Stars, and you know we just knew that this incredible basketball player that she was for sure going to be have a bright future and and for sure be someone that would play in the WNBA. And you know at that time I wasn't thinking of myself that way. So it's just funny that we're you know we're both in um, in the same level, just competed in the WNBA finals. Unfortunately, my team yeah. did it win but next season um, next season yeah exactly it's just funny when you look back at it to see like we all have our different paths um but you know we ultimately achieved our goal Mm -hmm. um coming back to duke i know you graduated from there in 2011 where and then you went to the WNBA. so tell me about you know your journey how did you how did you pick duke i know you said you started you know getting some d1 like attention junior year and it started picking up the seriousness of that so How did you choose Duke? And tell me about that journey. Um, I actually chose, so UVA, I'm from Virginia. Mm -hmm. Northern Virginia is home for me. I grew up in Fairfax and UVA is close to me. So it's all, I knew that I wanted to go to a good school and get a good education. So UVA was the close to home option. Duke was the little further away, but still, um, extremely good option uh, to get a good education. So, uh, Duke and UVA were my top two. And once I went to visit Duke, I literally fell in love with it. There was Mm -hmm. no way that any other school I visited after would be able to change my mind about how I felt. Um, I grew up uh, a Duke fan, especially that uh, 2006 uh, national championship against Maryland, where Maryland is like, you know, their school's near my home. So Mm -hmm. we would go to their games when I was younger. And just to to see them play, I just remember being like, I'm going to go to Duke. Like, I'm going to play in a national championship game, which I didn't get the chance to do. But um, I felt that going to Duke was my best chance to be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, you said, obviously, education is super important, and you valued that. So if you didn't um, go to the WNBA, like, what what do you think would have been your career path? My dream job was actually to be a pediatrician. Um, I love kids. Um, I, you know, part of why I chose Duke is I thought I would pursue a career in medicine. But uh, once I got there, of course, that that path changed a little bit. It's it's an extreme commitment if you want to breathe be pre-med and be a full-time student athlete as well Mm. um there's been a few of them who have actually been able to accomplish it and kudos to them like that's major uh but for me it it didn't work out that way I I chose basketball yeah I mean it's amazing to go to such an amazing school like Duke where not only is education valued but then there's such a huge basketball culture and it's just like it's so fun to watch even you know from TV and from you know all the social media posts it's just like that basketball culture is just so fun um obviously after Duke you were drafted 12th overall in 2011 um tell me about 
that that draft night that must have been such an amazing feeling so what were you feeling when they you know called out your name um I think my heart was in my throat um <laughs> you know as soon as they call you you go up there you you know yeah. you with the commissioner you take a picture and then you go do an interview mm-hmm. I didn't know if there were any words that would come out, <laughs> out in that moment yeah. um but being able to have my my parents there mm-hmm. my um my college coach, Joanne P. McCauley, she was there, and my high school coach was also there. And those are, you know, significant people in my life yeah. uh, that deserve to also share that moment with me. So it, it's a day that I'll never forget. Yeah. Um, like, from your draft day to, I mean, now, in your time in the WNBA, what are some of your best memories in the WNBA? I mean, obviously, you've been to the finals, been an all-star, like, like, can you recall some of your favorite memories? Um, for sure. Uh, I will say my rookie year was a significant memory for me. Um, I was playing it for my hometown team. Uh, you know, I was drafted to the Storm, but traded before the season started to yeah. the Mystics so that I could play at home. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, that's always a memory that will be, like, near and dear to me just because I was able to literally, like, my dream, how I, you know, had it in my head since a kid was to play for the Mystics in front of my family and friends and everyone as a professional. So, you know, those two seasons I played there my first two years, they definitely stick out to me, even though we were terrible. (laughs) It was still like a significant moment for me for that. Mm -hmm. And then I'll also have to say being an all-star, uh, for me, it was a, a good experience because it was so many of us from the Connecticut Sun. So my, my coach and his staff they were the coaches for the east and I got to be an all-star alongside Alyssa Thomas and John Cole Jones so for us to be so well represented from our team where you know we have been known for not really having big superstars and all of us were all-stars in that moment in 2017 so that was extremely special to me and then of course going to the finals twice with two different teams I think uh you know, for me, that's something that I'm proud of, being a point guard, being a leader, and, and in such a significant role to be able to have accomplished that with two different organizations and uh, completely different personnel around me. Uh, that's just something I'm proud of. I need to win one, but <laughs> uh, I'm still pretty proud of that. I mean, you talked about being a point guard and being a leader. So I want to touch on, like, the mental aspect of the game. What um, what kind of things do you need, like, mentally to be a successful point guard and, you know, uh, kind of lead the team in that sense? Um, for sure, I'd say I feel like there's about three things that I really feel have, you know, been a challenge for me, has been something that I've worked on throughout my uh, career and had to adjust based on different situations. But first and foremost, my confidence. Yeah. When you're in that position and you're leading a team both on and off the court, you have to be confident in yourself even when – people are going to disagree with you. You know, Mm -hmm. everybody's not going to always feel the same way that you do about things, but they have to respect you. So your confidence helps them to be able to do that and and believe in you. Um, Second, I will say like uh, relationships, being able to communicate and get through to different people, uh, teammates and coaches and staff, everybody uh, communicates, needs a different type of communication or, you know, you have to get through to them in a way that, you know, resonates with that individual. So that's something that's definitely a challenge every season because the team changes, people change, their yeah. roles change, they, you know, their egos and, and things that, that they uh, believe in for themselves yeah. change. So that is something. Um, and then last and 
of course, most importantly, basketball IQ. You know, point guard, you really have to be a student of the game. You have to constantly study and and not just the plays and not just your team, but uh, the opponents and just really understanding the game offensively, defensively, and, uh, you know, player personnel-wise as well. Uh, you talked about, you know, confidence and uh, healthy communication. And I think that things that you talked about on the court translate to a lot of things that we do in life as well. I know that a lot of my time playing sports, and I'm sure for every athlete, can um, attest to the fact that everything that they've learned while playing sports has helped them in their day-to-day lives. So what do you think is, you know, the biggest thing you've learned from your time, like, playing sports or things you're learning that has helped you in your day-to-day life? Um, I will say just that, uh, you know, that teamwork and leadership and, uh, you know, being able to um, harbor and nourish relationships, I think uh, that's something that I'll be able to take with me um, in my day-to-day interactions with people, but also into whatever career I transition to outside of basketball. I'm not 100% sure what I would want to do, but I know that the skill sets that I've acquired um, in my long career are going to help me in, in whatever field I choose to go into. I know you mentioned earlier that, you know, you've been traded and moved around a lot, especially during the early part of your career from Seattle, and then you said you were traded to D.C., and then you played for Atlanta, and then Connecticut. So I'm sure, you know, besides all that, you've had some ups and downs, you know, as everyone does. But, you know, what is one moment or time period during, you know, your career, or even during your lifetime, that kind of sticks out to you, which really challenged you and kind of tested you, and ultimately, you know, built your character in a sense? Is there, like, a time period you would say? For sure. Uh, That trade from um, Atlanta to the Sun was probably a a big defining moment for my career. Uh, One, because, you know, I went from, you know, one of the highlights of my career, going to the WBA finals, being with a team and an organization that valued me. I had started, I played a lot of minutes, I was significant in our success. Um, to a coaching change that completely changed all of that the very next season. So did I know that there was a chance I could be traded? Absolutely. I just had felt that, you know, maybe there was enough value in me that, I that you know, it could still work out. So once that trade happened, I feel like I really had off the court, like in that transition between during that off season, a blow to my confidence and kind of like, you know, I know what I bring to the table. I know what I'm good at. Like how, how does this keep happening? Why am I continuing to be traded? And, and ultimately I had to understand that these were things out of, outside of my control. It's just the nature of the business. Yeah. You know, uh, I've always, each year that I was traded came due to a coaching change. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's just all about an organization rebuilding and, and going with their vision. So, uh, uh, at the same time where I felt like I was at a low with my confidence, I then became welcomed with open arms to a rebuilding Connecticut Sun franchise that honestly gave me the opportunity to build my career. I've now been in Connecticut for uh, six years, and, mm-hmm. and I can't see myself you know, really playing uh, anywhere else. They've given me the opportunity to grow as a professional and as a basketball player, and That's um, awesome. It's just it's just funny how when you're you're at your lows, there you're, you're definitely coming back up to a high. You know, never yeah. get too low, never get too high, and and that's a significant part point in my career for sure. What's your advice to you know young athletes or just like people in general when they feel that their confidence is at a low? What what things can they do to help bring that confidence up? What did like what did you do? 
Um, for me, it was really going back to to the basics, <laughs> to the essence of you know who I was as a person and as a player. Yeah, uh, I feel when you're when you're chasing approval and you know you're you kind of get overwhelmed with with the attention and the media and everything that's going on which is easy to get involved in you know the approval and support of others you kind of lose sight of yourself so yeah. for me it was like you know why did I fall in love with this game why do have I chosen to to dedicate my life to this sport what mm -hmm. where is my true value and for me uh, that kind of helped ground me and and it's been the the basis of where I draw my confidence from and you know I yeah. really can honestly say since then I've, I've not gotten to that place now That's of course awesome. I you know have doubts on the court and mm -hmm. you know I, I rewatch film and you know there's ups and downs yeah, and, of course. Uh, throughout any uh season because they're always going to go through adversity but my overall confidence will won't take that book yeah that's really inspiring and that's awesome to hear um with respect to you know the women's sports aspect of this and it's kind of like what I like talking about on this podcast obviously playing in the WNBA is such an amazing opportunity and I'm sure it's a dream come true and but I know you know a lot of female athletes especially women's basketball players are subject to a lot of hate and negative comments you know on social media so when was the first time during your like time playing basketball where you experienced you know this hate and people saying negative things about you in basketball with respect to being a female athlete um I think just with the rise of social media, um, you know, over the last few years, we've seen it really give everyone a platform to kind of share their voice, yeah. whether it be negative or positive. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like that's when I really started to notice, you know, we already knew just through statistics and ratings, like mm -hmm. people weren't supporting women's basketball or women's sports at the um, as they should or could um, based off of buying tickets and coming to games or watching on TV. But once social media took off, people could actually voice their ignorance. And yeah. um, honestly, I just, I don't know why people are this way. Um, I feel like anyone who's, you know, doing something that they're passionate about and, uh, you know, doing it for, and also using that platform to do other things mm -hmm. uh, for you know, outside of sport, like many of us do in the WNBA, I feel like, how can you not support these people? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's discouraging sometimes, but it also gives us the opportunity to, you know, take the high road to yeah. really show people, like, you know, no matter what you might be going through that's making you miserable in your life and, you know, causing you to look down on, on women, you know, we're still doing something positive. We're still producing an incredible product that mm -hmm. is growing every year that's making strides, especially with our new CBA, yeah. with all the hate and, you know, everything negative that so many people have to say about women's basketball. You know, we just had a CBA that is incredible, honestly. Like, it shocked me with how much we were able to get out of that. And it just shows that, you know, our league understands that, people that invest in women's sports they they really understand our value and just how great we are yeah i was just gonna ask you about the cba do you want to maybe touch a little bit more on that for people who might not know uh yeah so the cba is our collective bargaining agreement uh the nba has one also it's kind of what binds and runs our league um it's you know from the salaries to uh player experience to you know insurance and off season and off the court uh, it really just kind of outlines everything that uh, that we have access to and all our resources. So salaries have significantly increased where um, the max 
a player could make used to be 117,000, I guess. And now it's uh, up to somewhere, I think it's like 215,000. Mm-hmm. So that's a significant increase. Um, child care um, resources have increased. Every player gets their own room on the road, which uh, surprisingly many people probably didn't know that you had roommates for your first four um, or five years in the league before. Um, uh, off season, uh, Spending for each team, there's more money that uh, organizations can allot to a certain amount of players so that instead of going overseas, they can still get an income um, right here in the States just working, whether an internship or doing yeah. appearances for their team. So this is all stuff that is, you know, super important for us as athletes um, just to be able to not have to do that year-round grind and, mm-hmm. and also to be able to play full-time in, in our country and, and mm-hmm. make a significant living. Yeah, I know. I mean, a lot of, like, would you say almost all of the WNBA players play overseas after the season? Um, it's a, most of us. Yeah, uh, it's definitely not all of us, mm-hmm. but a lot of us do. And uh, whether that's people that need to, you know, some people need that extra income, and yeah. some people don't. But it's just a lifestyle choice. It, you know, we love to play basketball. It's what we do, and yeah. you know, everyone else in their you know, respective careers work year-round, and, and we would like to also have an income year-round. Yeah. So uh, it just, you know, it's a lot on our bodies, but, mm-hmm. yes, most of us do play overseas. I mean, clearly, you know, as you said, things are growing and going in a positive direction for the league and for women's basketball and sports in general, and even at the high school and college basketball level. Um, I know I live super close to Stanford, so I've had the chance to kind of watch them ball out and – I remember I went to the Stanford-Oregon women's basketball game, and I wow. could not get in. It was packed. Like, like the whole stadium was packed. And it was such a nice surprise because um, everyone was there. Everyone was cheering. The atmosphere was, like, incredible. And I think that goes to show, you know, how many people are appreciative and, you know, respect the game and respect the athletes that are out there. And so... I was wondering, you know, who are you most excited to see, you know, ball out in the big leagues in the future, whether that be in high school or, like, college basketball players? Um, of course, I'm absolutely excited and thrilled to watch uh, Sabrina Unesco. Yeah. I don't want to mess up her last name, but yeah. I'm really excited to see yeah. her play in the W. I think, you know, she has a pro-ready game, and mm-hmm. it's just going to be exciting to see her kind of, you know, fit in and, and get comfortable uh, she's exciting to watch so I'm excited for her yeah I know I like as I was saying I went to that game and it was just incredible the way she carried herself and the way she you know carried the team and she was so like unselfish with the ball I think she that's the game where she hit the like the record for the most most rebounds I think and it was crazy and even everyone oh, at Stanford yeah. was going crazy so it was pretty cool to watch um, yeah, I mean, when you're a fan of women's basketball, sometimes it doesn't even matter if it's an opponent. To see someone do something yeah. legendary is just amazing. Yeah, and you know, I've I've never played basketball in my life, but I'm such a huge <laughs> basketball fan and women's basketball fan, and I think she just kind of transcends like basketball in general, and it's just like anyone who's an athlete, anyone, just any person in general can appreciate her and appreciate her game. So it was pretty cool to watch. Absolutely. Um, I know we're talking a lot about the future, but looking back, who is or is your biggest inspiration to like it, whether that be in basketball or in life in general? Just who's who do you look up to? 
Um, in life, for sure, my parents, mm-hmm. uh, you know, them having me and my brother, they had my brother kind of young and then had me shortly after. So just them and seeing them really sacrifice uh, for, for what they loved and believed in to give me and my brother a, a really good life. And, you know, my brother, is, uh, we both turned out really well due to those sacrifices yeah. and, you know, the values that they taught us and just with discipline and treating everybody with respect and just to work hard like those are things that you know you kind of take for granted but everybody doesn't have those and it's extremely important as a child and an adolescent to have that constant support Mm -hmm. um so definitely them as an athlete um and a basketball player Cynthia Cooper I'm not sure if you know her but (laughs) she was my uh, favorite basketball player she's a point guard for the Houston Comets so Mm -hmm. I was a huge fan of her that's awesome. And I know, you know, bringing it full circle, you are an inspiration for so many young athletes, including myself. So what do you think, like, what do you want to show young women who look up to you? What is one thing you want them to take away from your game or yourself as a person? Um, I mean, from my game, just my competitiveness, you know, it doesn't matter who I'm playing or, you know, how many minutes that I play, I am going to give you everything that I have and, and leave that floor with no regrets. Um, and then as a person, just to, you know, to always be kind and understanding. I feel like anyone who knows me would tell you that I'm usually like the mom of every team I'm on. Yeah. Uh, and I was like that even when I was the younger one on the team. Now I'm the older one. But uh, just because everyone has a story, everyone mm-hmm. has something that they're dealing with. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's important to me and it means a lot to me to really get to know people and connect with them genuinely Um, and if I can help them in any way to just be there, uh, you know, I think, uh, a lot of people need that and a lot of people can be more like that towards each other. It would go a long way. So before we conclude, I have two kind of big questions, I guess. Um, so the first one is, what do you think are steps we should be taking or we should take to increase visibility for female athletes? Um, I mean, Honestly, with social media and marketing, I feel like that's what we've kind of really been trying to do as of late. So, you know, anytime you you see an interview or you catch a game or you see something on social media, of whether it's of an individual athlete or of a team um, in women's sports, just kind of sharing it. You yeah. know, the more people can see it and really see it on a, you know, on a human level, not just you know, as a, as entertainment, but actually see us as people like everyone else, mm-hmm. it helps. You know, you know, those personal stories go a long way. So definitely just really sharing everything that you see. Yeah, um, definitely social media has a huge impact. For sure. Um, and lastly, uh, what do you think, I ask everyone this, but I think it's like, I like getting all the different answers, but what do you think is the <laughs> um, biggest thing or most important thing we should be teaching young girls, young women? Um, let's see. I guess, I guess just to break barriers, mm-hmm. you know, and from, from when I was a young girl till now, that's something that I'm seeing women really do is, is break barriers and starting at young ages, for for instance, this podcast, for you to have this, you know, so young and really be talking to, you're, you know, talking to people older than you who are professionals and in their in their careers i mean that's that's something that you know most 
you're in high school, right? Yeah, I'm a junior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something that most, you know, high schoolers wouldn't have done. And when I was in high school, it's definitely not something that I would have dreamed of doing. So, you know, just breaking barriers at, at every level, in every field, in every career. And I think that's definitely what we need to be teaching them is that it's possible. All you have to do is just be passionate about it, be confident, and, you know, really believe that you matter. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. It really meant a lot. Yeah, of course. I mean, your questions were great. Um, you know, I'm really excited to, you know, to listen to this and also listen to your other nine episodes. It, <laughs> it's amazing what you're doing, and I hope you keep it up. Thank you. Thank you so much.